0: Off trail, on trail, they're all one thing, aren't they? Hello, my name is Constantine, hiker, rambler, owner, and founder of 11 Skies. We created a podcast here to highlight and represent what it takes to make through hiking, long distance backpacking, adventures, outdoor life possible. Questions that focus on the how and the who, not necessarily the what. We all share this love for what we call the outdoors but everybody's different. The diversity is what makes it wonderful. And just like the trails themselves, the diversity of how people make this life possible and how people continue to live the life that they truly love is what really has inspired us and makes us want to continue to learn about these people. So this is the Off-Trail Podcast where, yeah, we might talk about trails from here and there. It's hard to make a hiker not ramble about trail systems. But mostly we're going to learn about the people. We're going to learn about What makes it possible and how they function and how they manage and how they strategize their time off-trail, make on-trail possible. Enough of our rambles. Let's just get into it, shall we? Hey folks, Konstantin here. I just wanted to pop in before we got into the meat of the show and let you know that um, we chatted this week with Aaron, who is the owner of Backcountry Foodie, and after our chat. Aaron reached out and offered us to provide all of you all a discount code to their website and so you can access these meal nutritional plans and these meal calculators and eat healthier while you're out on trail. So it's something we really believe in. And I want to put in here as well, disclaimer, 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 we are not being sponsored by Backcountry Foodie nor Aaron. It's just, like I said, something that we do believe in, and yeah, if it makes hikers healthier, makes hikers stronger, makes hikers enjoy the trail more, we're all about it. So, we want to pop in here before the show gets started and throw in the promo code. Promo code is off trail podcast, all one word, and the coupon code will give you 20% off access to Backcountry Foodies' website and their library of recipes, all the vittles, all the goodies, all the good, good stuff. So... Once again, disclaimer, 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 we are not being sponsored at all by Backcountry Foodie. It's just something we really believe in, and when Aaron said, hey, we have a promo code that you can use, and your listeners can use, we we were like, yeah, it's something that we want people to experience. We want people to experience more happiness on trail, and food is a massive part of that. And before I get more rambly and more into this, I'm going to just leave it there. The promo code is Off Trail Podcast, all one word. And you will get 20% off access to Backcountry Foodie's website and all their yummy vittles and all the healthy recipes. So, yes, we hope you enjoy the show with Backcountry Foodie and Aaron. All right, welcome back to the Off-Trail Podcast. My name is Constantine, and again, two episodes in a row, I am joined by my co-host.
1: This is Magpie. Hello, hello.
0: It's super strange having you on, but I'm glad you're here.
1: I'm happy to be here, too. I'm glad you're happy. And we're also happy to have our wonderful guest. Would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Hi, my name is Erin owens Mayhew, and I'm a registered dietitian and a long-distance backpacker.
0: Awesome. So, yeah, Erin, thank you for joining us today. Um, I'm glad we were able to sort this out. Um, for the listeners, there was some back-end communication. We were trying to fit in schedules. It's two months after it was supposed to be, but I'm glad we're here now. So,
2: hey. Better now than never. (laughs) Better now than
0: never, yes. Aaron, so you are also the owner of a company called Backcountry Foodie. So what we like to do with these episodes where we're talking to the owners of companies, a lot of our questions are catered for the hiker, but they also can be interpreted from the company. So when we ask these questions, a lot of the times we're going to be asking kind of a two-sided question for the answers, like what it means to you as a hiker, and then what it means to you as the owner of this company. So to begin, we'll just start with the big question that is broad, open-ended, and see where you take it from there. So Aaron, who are you, and what is Backcountry Foodie?
2: Oh gosh, that's a long story. That's a five-year <laughs> in development <laughs> answer. <laughs> Um, well, I guess backcountry foodie came about. Um, I've been a long, actually I've been a backpacker and a dietitian for over 20 years now. Mm -hmm. Um, but it wasn't until I really paid attention to my backpacking food until I started thinking about hiking the PCT in 2016. Um, and then I'd been a long distance, um, trail runner at the time. So I was actually really struggling keeping weight on just running really long twice a week, let alone hiking 12 hours a day for five months in a row. Um, So when I started preparing for my PCT through hike, I just really started panicking about how am I going to keep my weight on? How am I going to, I knew what hitting the wall would feel like. And I was like, that's not an option being a dietitian. Like I need to eat really well and be able to finish this hike strong and not have to go home because I lost weight. So just in the very beginning, it all kind of came about with me tinkering in the kitchen, kind of learning more about backpacking food because eating Mountain House every day wasn't going to be an option. <laughs> um, number one, it's too expensive. It doesn't taste very good. There's way too much sodium. You know, you can go on and on and on about eating those kinds of things for five months in a row. So I ended up making all my own food as about, I want to say, almost 400 pounds worth of homemade food by the time I was done for the entire trip and developed all my own recipes. And it just took off. People are super excited about the idea about having really healthy, uh, backpacking meals that you can make yourself. I'm extremely frugal. We were actually just talking before the show that I used to live in a sprinter van. Yeah. Um, so I can live on very little. So, and that's part of my thing too, is that I like it to be affordable for people so you can eat healthy. It's easy to prepare because believe it or not, I don't like spending a lot of time in the kitchen. I want to be outside. So <laughs> that's part of my other theme too, is like, I want you to spend more time outside instead of in the kitchen, that kind of thing. So, Mm-hmm. Fast forward five years worth of more long distance hiking and experimentation and that backcountry booty came about. So that's oh. where we are today is I have a, a website where I sell those recipes that I've trail tested myself. And I sell my meal plans that I've used on my trips myself and I coach hikers how to do
0: what I do. I'm I'm curious. When you were hiking and you were doing this prep for you said the PCT you said mountain houses weren't feasible, one, because of the cost, but was it also because of the calorie density? What, what was um, deterring you from already using these prepared meals and preparing them yourself?
2: Well, my biggest thing to being an ultralight hiker is I I count every single gram. So Mm -hmm. I also make every single gram of food count, too. And when looking at those commercially prepared meals, um, they're really bulky for the most part. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are newer companies now that are cottage companies that I think are doing a better job. But when you think a lot of the mountain house, those things, they're really rice-based, which is not a whole lot of nutrition per bite is kind of how I like to look at it as an ultralight hiker, is that I feel like it was kind of a wasteful space in the backpack of having rice that didn't have the nutrition I wanted. So... Essentially, that's kind of where all the tinkering came about is that I would, what can I do instead of rice to add more nutrition to make the volume smaller? So quinoa is one of my favorite things. If you've heard any of my other podcast interviews, (laughs) I talk about quinoa all the time because I love it so much. Or even taking out just regular wheat pasta and using chickpea pasta because you're still getting pasta, but you're adding some extra protein in there that you wouldn't get with the regular pasta, those kind of things. So that was mostly the commercially prepared foods that just nutritionally, they didn't do what I want to do. They were too bulky
3: in addition to the expense.
1: Okay. One of the things that we were checking out your website before this interview, one of the things that I was uh, excited to see on there was that you have um, someone on your staff who is involved with health at every size activism. It's not the word I was looking for, but who who is familiar with the health at every size philosophy. And to your point, you know, a lot of nutrition advice you can see online is all about, you know, weight loss. And I also have that type of body where it's I'm actually actively trying not to lose too much weight. So, um, maybe talk a little bit about that. Like, how is that diet requirement different for somebody who's doing a long distance adventure? Yeah, that's one thing.
2: (laughs) I don't want to use the word preach, but I (laughs) preach that
1: I don't like using through hikes
2: as a weight loss program because your body is starving when it it needs to really be fueled really well. Um, So, if you're losing weight, you're not fueling your body to perform at your best performance. And through hiking is hard on yourself, or even just the weekend hiking, if you're not used to doing it, um, because your muscles need to be fed, your glycogen stores need to be replenished, like, you're going to feel so much better if you eat better, and this the experience is going to be so much more enjoyable if you feel better. Um, this kind of came all the way back to the beginning, too, as when I was a beginner hiker, I just thought hiking hurt, like, I just thought you were supposed to be sore, and I was supposed to be tired and hurt all the time, <laughs> but... Once you start thinking more about eating better, like all that extra pain and suffering goes away. Like you might be sore because you worked really hard, but just it's one extra way to enjoy the experience that much better. So I going all the way back to you, I guess I got sidetracked (laughs) going back to the weight loss thing about long distance hiking is that you're not actually learning um, lifestyle changes, I guess you could say. It's kind of a temporary fix whereas if you go back home you're not still able to hike 12 hours in a row you're not able to do those kinds of things to keep those calories down so you actually have to like make some huge lifestyle changes once you get home that you can't sustain um, that you're doing on the trail
1: and starvation diets like lead to a loss of muscle mass it's not actually like a sustainable healthy way of weight loss right It slows your metabolism right down so yes, yes right so
0: I would be curious because being in the running community and the hiking community, how would you, and being a dietitian, um, how would you generally view the health of through hikers then? I, I know that's a hard question because everybody has a different health meter, but with the diet that most through hikers eat, would you say it has more cons than pros, more pros than cons? Um, Yeah, how would you generally view the through hiking quote unquote diet? If
3: you kind of, we
2: can narrow it down to, kind of, I would call it kind of the traditional, the hiker diet the pop tart we were talking about this earlier your donuts that you love so much <laughs> oh i love my donuts but I, they're so bad for me i know
0: i know
2: <laughs> like the honey buns and the pop tarts and the dollar tree you know cool things ramen those kinds of things are highly processed foods they're going to have more simple sugars they're going to give you quick boosts of energy but they're not going to have like that protein that you need to recover those kind of things so Generally speaking, we're looking at those kinds of foods. Mm-hmm. And also too, through hiking is not something, unless you're a professional backpacker and you do it year after year after year, it's kind of a short and acute, I guess you could say exposure to that kind of diet. So it's not going to cause you to have like long-term cardiovascular disease risk. It's not going to cause like those kinds of things acutely, but it, I would be more concerned like if you are a through hiker too, vitamins, yeah. you actually could become vitamin deficient by the end of the hike, which is something that's completely preventable by eating healthier. Um, so there's those sorts of things for a single through hike that you might be concerned about. Um,
3: but yeah, it just, that's a really big question.
2: <laughs> there's so many different ways I could go with was Like if you're a professional backpacker, like it's a really issue long-term wise, if you're doing it for one month, it's really not going to affect you, you know, like long-term, but, you definitely will feel better in the short term if you do feel yourself better.
0: What what would the issues be for a long-term backpacker versus a "quote unquote one and done" or somebody that goes out for a singular thru-hike? What what are the different issues that somebody would experience in their body if they continue to eat the thru-hiking diet?
1: He's asking for right. a friend. It's not like he's <laughs>
2: feeling
3: like an old man or anything.
0: <laughs> I don't feel So short. what
2: I, what I would call like a professional backpacker that the thru hiker that gets to, that's lucky enough. I wish I were lucky enough to do it every single year. That's able to take six months off a year. I mean, that's you're actually kind of shifting your diet to that kind of diet for six months, fifty percent of the year every year. So if you were to do that year after year after year, you could potentially be actually exposing yourself to more like these kind of things for long term health concerns, like high cholesterol, you know, high sodium, you know, all those kinds of things that you could. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're not taking vitamins, if you're not getting in enough calcium, you're not doing those kinds of things then you could be putting yourself for some more long term things. Um, It might actually be worth just getting a blood draw every so often just to kind of see where you are.
0: I was about to say I actually get my blood work every single year, um, mostly because I'm worried about Lyme's disease, just to check that. So I get a full blood panel every year. And and every
1: year his doctor's like, buddy,
0: stop eating the sugar. Like, (laughs) that's mostly what I get told. Like my cholesterol is fine. A lot of My other factors are good, but it's mostly, he's like, you're just eating too much sugar. Your liver tissue is recognizing that you're just pounding down sugar. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, stop eating candy. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: even just something as simple as like iron deficiency, especially for women.
0: Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I mean, there have been women that have had to go home on the PCT just because they were iron deficient. And that's completely avoidable just by eating. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of the three-hacker foods just aren't iron-fortified. They're highly processed foods, so it's just something that's unfortunately, could be easily avoided just with some food.
1: So my next question, you said earlier you had prepared yourself like 400 pounds of food at home. Ooh. So there's two things with that. One is logistics. For something like the PCT, I suppose it's not that bad to do mail drops, but the other thing is how did you manage like, getting sick of the stuff that you'd prepared and knew you had coming and had to eat?
2: Well, unfortunately, I ended up getting injured, uh, mm. so I wasn't able to eat all 400 pounds of food, <laughs> so, mm. Mm. Um, but I have since learned through other hikes that, yeah, variety is super key, and I've learned to, from that one PCT hike, now I resupply completely differently. Um, I don't close up all the boxes ahead of time. Like I keep it very open and fluid, and luckily, I have somebody at home. My husband can help with my resupply boxes. I uh, know that's not something that everybody has the availability, but... I usually get a hold of them three days before I'm going to get to the next resupply point and be like, I'm sick and tired of X. So he shifts that to the next two boxes down kind of thing and moves things around for me. Um, so I definitely have found that variety is super important um, mm-hmm. because you do get sick of it. Like bars, I can't touch bars after the PCT. I ate uh-huh. so many bars <laughs> that just, I don't even touch them anymore. I only take homemade trail mix now. That's completely different every single time.
0: Huh. Any, any format of bars, you just have to stay away from that format of food.
2: I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> just The thought of a bar just makes me turn my stomach. You can combine
0: <laughs> the ingredients in your mouth, but if there's a bar, no thank you.
2: Yeah, no thanks. Like, I just don't even want to look at them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so circling back, I'm curious because I want to get more into Backcountry Foodie and the company and how you grew it and founded it and all that. But before we get there, I want to circle back. And this is going to be somewhat a biased question because in a perfect world, of course, you want hikers to eat healthier, like fuel their body with nutrients, but I'm assuming most people that listen to this are, most hikers are quote-unquote stuffing. and that's not a bad thing, but most hikers also accessibility with the foods that they have in town, sometimes unless they do that plan and prep process, they're going to reach for the honey bun, stuff like that. So what would you recommend to hikers that sometimes have to do the quote-unquote through hiking diet out of necessity to continue to have their body function Healthier? Would you recommend supplements? What What would you go about recommending?
2: I'm actually going to challenge that because okay. you can eat healthy at the dollar store. I'm doing it this year.
3: Oh wow! Okay.
2: <laughs> I am actually sorry. I can't through hike this year. I'm too busy with work. But I'm section hiking the Condor Trail here on the California coast. Yeah. And the only thing I'm eating are things I'm buying at the Dollar Tree. Huh. Um, so it can be done. It just takes a little bit of extra know-how, a little bit of extra creativity, but. I'm eating normally. Um, Believe it or not, you can get quinoa at the Dollar Tree. You can get, um, oh gosh, now I'm blinking. Like You can get really good granola. You can get a lot of freeze-dried fruit, believe it or not. You can get cheese there. I mean, you can get milk powder there. You can get all kinds of things there. And I've been able to eat just fine and actually enjoy the food from the Dollar Tree. So it is possible. You don't have to. Um, eat those highly processed things. You just have to pay a little bit more attention when you're there and avoid those honey buns the best you can and pick like granola bars instead and put peanut butter on top, that kind of thing. Um, But if you don't have the ability to do that or the time to kind of put some extra thought into it, definitely a supplement is going to be, I always take a supplement just to make sure I cover myself because physically speaking you can't eat the same amount of fruits and vegetables on trail just because of the format of them dehydrated food you have to eat twice as much dehydrated food to get the same volume of fresh food Mm
3: -hmm.
2: um and then the other thing about dehydrated food is it loses 50 percent of its vitamins sometimes so now you have to like double it even more to get the same amount of vitamins you would get from a fresh apple kind of thing and that's just not physically possible that's just The thought of eating two cups of apples per one fresh apple is just not
3: something
2: that is very appealing at all. So if anything, I would recommend just taking a multivitamin.
1: Okay. One of the weird tips that I've heard, and I wonder what you think about this, is if you have to resupply at like a Dollar Tree or something, instead of getting the milk powder, get powdered baby formula, because it's nutritionally complete. Obviously not during the baby food formula shortage right now, but I don't know. I've never done it, but I've always been curious. Oh that's a hardcore hiker that could do that. <laughs> <Because>
2: <laughs> I always say that because I, in my previous life, I was a pediatric dietitian for 16 years, and I've tasted a lot of 80 formula, and it's horrible. So, <laughs> I, I think I would find an alternative if I had to, and have to actually force myself that baby formula. Although it is nutritious, there's lots of protein in it and vitamins, but um, it doesn't taste very good. <laughs> good
1: to know. I kind of suspected that that would be the case.
2: No, it's horrible. <laughs> I mean, I did it as a lot of our interns coming through. I would have taste test things and it was
0: awful (laughs) (laughs) So, so let's walk through the growth of backcountry foodie a little bit I know we touched on that you were prepping the trail and you were realizing these companies weren't meeting your needs for kind of sustenance and actual nutrition at a good calorie to weight ratio so kind of walk me through the progression of backcountry foodie um once you had the idea before trail on trail and how it went from there
2: Oh gosh, it's evolved. I've had to pivot so many times with Mm -hmm. whatever's happening in the world at the time, you know, what's happening personally with our family, that kind of stuff that's Really changed with time. So initially, it just started out with an Instagram account. Mm-hmm. And what's really funny is, again, I had interns that worked for me. I didn't even know what Instagram was doing. In 2016, I'm 45 <laughs> years old. That <laughs> just wasn't something that I knew about. Um, so it started out as an Instagram account. And then once I got back from what I was able to do on the PCT, and I also did part of the AT that year, I came back and people were really interested in the recipe. So I wrote a cookbook and quickly realized publishing self-publishing was not something i wanted to do ever again so, <laughs> and it's also you have to sell new york seller best time you know millions of copies to be able to make a living off a cookbook so that wasn't going to be like a long-term option um and then i tr- evolved into doing some nutrition coaching but at the time people didn't really know who i was what my skills were that kind of thing so that wasn't very successful initially so then I evolved into, well, I have all these recipes now. I have all these meal plans. So that's when we launched the platform that we have today. Version 1.0 was in 2019. then 2020, we completely revamped it. Um, and now we're on our third version, um, where we also have master classes that I teach, okay. um, kind of based on all the things, the research that I've read and my own experiences and those kind of things. So we have the recipe platform where we have over 200 of my recipes. Uh, we have the meal planning platform, which is an automated tool. It's amazing. Like I don't use a spreadsheet anymore. No hands, no, you know, no calculators, those kind of things that automates it all for you. It makes shopping lists for you, which is what I was going to say for people that are resupplying along the way, you can actually plug in whatever you want to make. And then your shopping list ready when you actually go to the grocery store. That's
0: awesome.
2: Um, and oh, then now okay. I do a lot of nutrition coaching on the side without even advertising for it because people know who I am and what do I do. So I've kind of circled all the way back to what my original intention was at the beginning.
0: I'm, I'm curious because with these cottage companies um, and the growth from cottage companies and just the growth in the outdoor industry, was there one aha moment that really happened for Backcountry Foodie? Like you published a specific recipe and there is a lot of activity around it. Or was it kind of puzzle piecing together all these um, different things facets into the company and just kind of making a fuller version because again like i've interviewed we've interviewed now quite a lot of people that have started their own companies and it seems like sometimes there's this one little thing that pushes it up and over the edge can you like pinpoint if there was something like that for you
2: i think it was early early on that i needed to make something of it was on the pct when this is kind of the funny story again when i was new to instagram um i was getting instagram direct messages saying where are you are you leaving any food behind? Put it in the (laughs) the hiker box (laughs) because I want your food. Like I really appreciate what you're doing. Like, this is a really great idea, that kind of thing. So, and then I actually just kind of interviewed people along the way to see what their thoughts were on their food, what what were they struggling with and that kind of thing. So it was really early on in 2017 when I started my hike that I was like, okay, I've got to figure this out. And it's just with time that I've learned more about what hiker needs are and how I can best use what I've learned to teach other people that we are where we are today.
0: Okay. Have you as the company has grown as well, have you are there like testimonials from a hiker that say had the worst through hiking diet, those honey buns and the donuts that I love so much? Okay, that's two times. I told you I'd only mention it once. That's twice. But, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh that's that's it. Twice. Um but uh, Can you talk to seeing, like, a transformation in hikers when they kind of start changing their diet? Does it directly transition into miles? Does it directly transition into more enjoyment? Can you kind of talk about, like, the transition once you start eating healthy on the trail?
2: Um, I get those kind of testimonials all the time in my email. I I keep them. I actually have 50 of them saved, that I just – I look back at them from time to time as a reminder of, like, people are really loving this. You're helping them feel better. Like, keep pushing, you know, when Mm -hmm. times are tough. That kind of thing, but what they're saying, this is directly from my customers is I look forward to my food. Huh. um I don't like dread that oatmeal that I have to get up and eat in the morning, like I actually look forward to getting up in the morning and eating my food. I feel better because I know that I'm fueling my body better in the afternoon, so um I use a lot of meal replacement drinks, which mm-hmm. is something I think that's unique that I don't know that people were thinking as much before I started really working towards all this. Um, as I have a lot of people saying, I pack your meal replacement drinks. And when I start hitting the wall in the afternoon, like it gets me through until dinner time, and I feel amazing. Whereas otherwise I would have hit the wall and probably really struggled to get to camp kind of thing. So I'm not hearing like, I can hike 20 more miles than I used to, but just generally speaking, like I just feel so much better. My experience is better now that I'm eating better.
0: I'm curious if, when you say meal replacement drinks, what exactly are you entailing with that?
2: So the simplest recipe, and when hikers say they can't do it, I say, I'm going to challenge you again. <laughs> <laughs> the simplest recipe I have is my chocolate peanut butter shake. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people already do a version of this. Is whole milk powder that you can get at the grocery store, PB2 powder, it's so a peanut butter powder you can get at the grocery, and carnation breakfast essentials powder. Mm-hmm. All those you can get in the grocery. Just put those together. The, the ratio of those that I have figured out um, will make a drink. It's, I think, Gosh, I think it's like 650 calories. It's like 35 grams of protein, like 60 grams of carbs. It's got all the vitamins. It has got it has like all the vitamins for a whole day mm-hmm. that you need in it. Um, just add eight ounces of water shake. And I don't even put it in a cup. I put it in the Ziploc baggie, add water, and drink out of the baggie. Um, kind of, yeah,
3: talking like, about I'm a hardcore, hardcore hiker. hiker. <laughs> <That reminds laughs> me. I don't
1: mean, mind this. I made like a that, coffee shake version of that on the CDT. am yeah. like, oh, I should do that again. That was really good.
2: Right, so yeah, there's coffee shaped versions. Um, I've got like smoothie versions where I use freeze dried yogurt that takes a little more effort at home. You have to powder the yogurt in a coffee grinder, uh, but freeze dried yogurt, freeze dried fruit that I've powdered. You put some oat powder in there. You put some. i got all these kind of different things in there. Chia seeds, um, and it just turns into a full meal that you could add a few ounces of water to down the hatch, and then you're done. You don't even have to get a stove or a bowl out.
0: So, so with backcountry foodie. You've now had this company for, what, 2017, four or five years? Uh, five years. Uh-huh. Five, five years. Are you looking to, are you trying to build it to be high performance for high performance hikers, runners? Is there a specific goal you're looking for with it or is it for just anybody that want to hike, anybody that wants to hike? What, what kind of is the goal of that country city? To be
2: honest, I just want to help anybody want, that wants to feel better. <laughs> oh, I love it. So if you're a beginner, and that's kind of where our recipes are designed, too, is we have the very, very basic ones that we have a filter for four ingredients or less. So if you're just getting into it or you don't have time, you know, whatever reason you want very basic, we have those kind of recipes. Mm-hmm. I have the basic recipes for if you just want to run to the grocery store, it's for people that are super busy, you run to the grocery store, pick up what you need, go home, throw it in a bag, and you're done. And then I have the... Ultra, ultra light ones that take a little bit more effort, they get really lightweight, like really compact and nutritious. But that's for kind of the people that are more advanced, have more time to dedicate it to a kind of thing. So it's more of just if you want to get outside, I want to help you feel better, whether you want to do your first overnight trip or if you are doing an FKT. I mean, that's I think just food plays a part in all those kind of people.
0: So it's very individualistic. So it's catered to the person and what their goals are. Right.
2: OK, you, you can make it what you want of it, I guess you could say It's like we've got all the different resources for you. You just use it however that's going to suit kind of your style.
0: OK, and this is kind of a biased question, um, at least from my perspective here is how when you started combining your quote unquote work and your play, did that feel like personally? So as a hiker, this is where you found like your enjoyment as a runner. This is where you found your love and you were a dietitian before then, but then you kind of mesh them completely together what was that like for you? Oh, it's a dream come true.
2: <laughs> I get to do the two things, the things that I love the most for a job and, like, earn a living. No. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's just the thing that I don't enjoy is the computer work and learning how to design a web page. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, the
3: yeah, back
2: end things I'm not loving so much, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> the, being able to take my love for food and my—I'm super nerdy. I'm super Type A. Like I love number crunching and those kind of the science behind things. So being able to take my love for the science of food behind it and like athletic performance and combining the two of them and just being able to help people feel better i mean that's what you ask for i mean that's awesome
0: <laughs> yeah you and magpie are one and the same she always puts these spreadsheets out and like oh, color codes them i'm such a oh, spreadsheet yeah.
1: girl oh my god i hate math but i love a spreadsheet
0: <laughs> oh
1: oh add math to it and you've got me <laughs>
0: give me a box of donuts and i'm happy All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So I'm curious. um, It sounds like you had a pretty athletic background, but how did you get bitten by the thru-hiking bug? What spurred that for you? Uh, Midlife crisis. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, as I had been, like I said, I've been a
2: dietitian for years and years and years, but I just got to the point where, um, unfortunately, I had all the things I thought I was supposed to have. I was getting ready to turn 40 and but I was miserable I had a two-hour commute each way I hated going to my job which was unfortunate because I hated I loved the career I hated the job and just where I was in life at the time I just wasn't happy and I just the only way I could find my way out was like I just need to take a break and when I asked to take time off from work they said you had to quit so I'm like okay I'm out
3: <laughs> so <laughs>
2: so I quit and that's just kind of how it all came about is I just needed to re- take some time to rejuvenate and lo and behold it started a brand new career I love it and
0: Again, this is this is my own curiosity here speaking. I read that you've also done the Oregon Coast Trail. Can, because I've yes. not had many guests on that have actually done that as a hike. Can you kind of – I guess what I'm asking here is can you kind of compare and contrast that against what you've experienced on the AT and PCT? Like talk about the flavor of the oh. – Pun intended for, oh, for a dietitian. Yeah. <laughs> the,
2: the, the, no, every every hike I've done has been so incredibly different. And, yeah. I mean, again, going back to being a dietitian, like it's been really interesting learning the nutrition, how they've all been different too. Uh, but the Oregon coast, there's a lot of road walking. Yeah. Um, it wasn't terribly enjoyable, to be 100% honest. <laughs> Um, I was glad it was over because there's just so much road walking that was actually really unsafe road walking. It wasn't just walking at forest road. It was walking like freeways kind of thing with a lot of traffic or mountain roads with very little shoulder or no shoulder at all. So I had to spend a lot of time hitchhiking just because I didn't feel safe, um, and then learning how to read the tides and scheduling your days around the tides because there were times you could you could easily get stuck mm-hmm. um, if you didn't schedule your tides. So that was just completely different from the PCT and AT. You don't have to worry about those kinds of things, especially the PCT. You just go for a walk. I mean, yeah. of all my trips, the PCT has been the easiest. <laughs> it's, just, it's so laid out. It's so easy to follow. Um, Oregon Coast, it's fairly well laid out. Uh, but there's still a bit of outfinding kind of because it's not 100% clear all the time. but. Um, It was definitely an interesting hike. It was different.
0: Yeah, I remember churning my wheels in the sands there because I did not time the tides correctly, so I just had to hike up on the banks of the softest sand, which, which is still better than not being able to walk at all and just having to sit and wait for the tide to recede, but... Well, the
2: sand gets worse the further south you go. It starts with this really hard packed sand up north and then the closer you get to the California coast or the California border, it just turns into these pebbles that it's one step forward, two slides back.
0: Yeah, people think (laughs) beach walking and they're picturing like the ideal, idyllic, can't say the word, uh, idyllic like um, South Carolina, or North Carolina beaches, hard packed sand as far as I can see. Not that way.
2: No, it's hard hiking. I mean, and that was part of it, too, is kind of learning how I was going 20 miles a day early on to 10 and, like, really struggling to get 10 done by the end of
3: the day. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned uh, that sort of nutritionally every trail that you've done has been different. How does that feel? Like, what's that experience been like? How are they different? Yeah, I'm
0: curious as to what you mean by that because, at least in my perception, again, each trail sounds like you would give the correct food. For the miles you're doing so what did you mean each trail is different yeah nutritionally
2: well this is kind of where getting on my science tangent um uh, like hiking calorie calculators online that a lot of folks use um they don't take into the effect like the difference in the terrain
3: okay.
2: they don't take into effect like the amount of pack weight that you've got i mean they don't take into account the weather that you're going through so all those kinds of things are different trail to trail like each individual hiker has their own individual needs each hike has its own individual needs because they're all so different Again, the PCT was relatively easy, in my opinion, the section that I did. The AT was a lot harder because it was more ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And the Oregon coast, I was moving fast, but at the same time, it was completely flat for the most part. So it was kind of a different kind of energy needs there. Then I did the Colorado um, Trail. I almost finished it last year. Completely lost my appetite altogether at altitude. So that's when my meal replacement drinks, I did nothing but those. I had one solid meal a day for... I think like 200 miles mm-hmm. <laughs> and the rest of it was all meal replacement drinks. So having that kind of in my back pocket, it was completely different. And then the condor trail, I'm, I may get in 10 miles a day because there's so much brush to push through. So <laughs> my, the amount of mileage that I'm doing is completely different from the PCT. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm only eating like 3000, 3500 calories just because I'm not doing nearly the amount of work that I was doing on the other trips that so AT I was eating 6,000 plus
3: calories easy
0: Okay, so that's that's what you meant. So you're factoring in literally everything because a lot of the hikers that I've talked to and I know, they have like a baseline that they eat no matter what. So like if they're doing a 15-mile day to a 30-mile day, they're going to be eating 4,000 calories and they don't really tweak that with weather. With They don't tweak it. They, they just stay right. on their diet and no matter what, no matter the Nero days, no matter the smaller mile days, bigger mile days, they just stay on that. So you meant everything affects it and each day, so each resupply is so different.
2: Right. It, yeah. If you really are going to dive into it, each resupply is different, right? So <laughs> like early on in the desert, um, the PCT is very different from being in the like, the high Sierra mm-hmm. because your efforts, you're going to be moving so much slower in the high Sierra and there's probably going to be snow. You're going to be trudging through and those kinds of things. I mean, the exerted effort there is much higher. So you actually need more nutrition there than you do when you're cruising through the desert um, mm-hmm. in California, or even Oregon, where it's flatter and it's easier cruising
0: kind of thing. So... Can you stockpile calories? Is that something that you can do? So say... You're... Oh, yeah,
1: you can. It's called getting fat.
0: Hey, hold yeah, on Yeah, getting now. fat. <laughs> <laughs> hold on now. Um, that is not what I meant. I'm saying so like right. if you're on a hike and say you're going through those desert miles. So yeah, PCT as an example. You're leading up to the Sierras and you're just consuming five, 6,000 calories a day, which is probably more than you need if you're doing a slower pace or 10, 15 mile, 20 mile days. Can you stockpile those calories and use them as energy in the Sierras and then cut your calories down there? What does that look like? No. no?
2: Because no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> your your body can only store so much. Okay. Um and then what's extra is left over that like it can store in your glycogen, it can store in your muscles, in your liver, in your blood sugar, that kind of thing. Um, it can only store so much, and then otherwise, like we were just saying, it turns into fat. So you're gonna have fat <laughs> calories, but those fat calories aren't going to give you the kind of nutrition you need to keep your muscles strong. Um, it's not going to repair your muscles. It's not going to give you the carbohydrates and you need that boost of energy to get up a climb kind of thing. Um, it'll maybe keep you from being emaciated because you're burning through your fat stores, but it's not going to help you actually perform when you're in that kind of situation.
0: So the energy directly is correlated from the calories. So it's not coming from the stores of, yeah, the, the fat calories, as you put it, that right. I started many a trail on. Yeah, calories. your glycogen
2: stores, you only have, depending on the intensity of the hike, you only have an hour to three hours worth of extra glycogen or carbs stored in your muscles and your liver. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So you, that's why it's so important to eat. That's why I preach all the time, like eat every 60 to 90 minutes, like eat something so you're constantly like filling your body up so it doesn't ever like run completely empty.
0: Can we, can we touch on the lost appetite? That you were talking about too, because that's actually Uh affected me as well so when I was going for a Natchez trace the when I was taking the Natchez trace trail for about two weeks all I ate each day was like a complete cookie because I couldn't stomach like any food because I was pouring out kind of extreme effort for what I was going through what what is the body's response to that why is the body responding by saying hey I have no appetite especially when you're outputting so much energy
2: I think that's a lot of it is the stress that the body's put on it. I did, a, like I said, after I did the Colorado Trail, I immediately came almost was like, what happened? Mm-hmm. Like, I've never not, I'm a foodie. I like to eat. <laughs> it was yes. like, I've never not wanted to eat for 200 miles. So I did a lot of reading into it and research. And especially at altitude, I thought maybe it was altitude. But there's just really not, from what I've read, is that there's really not a clear understanding as to, like, why it disappears except for your body's stress. Um, you're just, you're shifting your metabolism, like your your body's kind of, it's all out of whack essentially. Um, so the best thing to do is that's why I use those meal replacement drinks is I was able to get in all the calories, the fluid too. You get so dehydrated when you're not hungry, Mm -hmm. um, because you tend to drink less is that just using drinks like that, just it's easy to drink them down and then keep moving on. And unfortunately my appetite never came back. I don't know what happened. Um, so yeah, it took several weeks actually after I quit hiking.
1: Yeah, I have a similar kind of thing. I uh, after I started through hiking and had done it for a couple years, like I had now eat on a schedule. Partly because I did some of that same reading, like the and glycogen stores. because you have I have ADHD. But partly because I have ADHD and I like forget that I'm hungry. I'm like, why am I so grumpy? Right. <laughs> it's like oh, I have to eat something. Yeah. But uh, right. my appetite off trail never fully recovered from through hiking. I think because I got so used to having that hunger signal be super intense. That now it's like, oh, I'm not hungry until I'm absolutely starving. Is that something right. that you've seen a lot? Um,
2: actually, I haven't heard a lot of people. I've just had my own experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm one out of however many thousands of hikers out there. So I haven't heard anybody in particular saying that. But I'm not surprised because I've experienced it myself. Mm-hmm.
0: Is it is it part of kind of the humanistic trait of the feast or famine? Kind of, wasn't our bodies, I'm going to be super ignorant on this fact, but weren't our bodies built to be... Kind of, yeah, the feast or famine, just consume, consume, consume and then store it and then output it when need, need be with our ancestors or have our bodies changed at this point?
2: I don't know the answer to that, but my guess is gonna be things have changed. We eat so differently yeah. than we used to because food availability is just it's always here. Yeah. Um, compared
0: to back then. So
2: I don't have a really good answer for that unfortunately.
0: It's just, again, I have very ignorant questions a lot of yeah. the time, so I apologize about that. <laughs> I don't, have a good answer but for that I don't know how to put a filter on my own brain. So <laughs> um tra- transitioning into this. So This is going to be another two-part question, Um, again, for you as a hiker, as a person, as an outdoors person, and then also for Backcountry Foodie. So who would have had the biggest impact on you as a hiker, and then who would have had the biggest impact on you for um, starting this company, this company called Backcountry Foodie?
2: Oh, gosh. I've never thought about that, (laughs) (laughs) to be honest. Um, I don't know who's impacted me the most for hiking. It's just one of those things that... I guess I'm thankful my well now ex husband of many many years ago introduced me to backpacking back in 2001 because I grew up in Kentucky where we just didn't backpack we didn't camp we I grew up as a competitive swimmer, oh, cool. um, so my athletic history prior to backpacking was completely different. I didn't even know like backpacking existed till 2001. Like I said, when he introduced me to it, so it mm-hmm. was that. And my very first trip was the worst trip ever,
3: but I continued on. <laughs> that's
2: how it's it. that's how it if, begins. Why was right. it the worst trip ever? Well, I had no idea what I was doing. I wore blue jeans. Oh. I wore a long sleeve cotton t shirt. I'd gone to RAI and picked up, a, back then they actually had the garage sales and not just these little sale aisle things, um, a 75 liter backpack that did not fit. It was probably for a guy that was six foot five. I'm five eight. Oh, no. <laughs> and plastic mountaineering boots.
0: <laughs> oh, no
2: talk about misery (laughs) oh how
0: were your feet after that
2: oh destroyed and i wore them for years because i still didn't know any difference (laughs) i wore them until they dry rotted
0: (laughs) how long until the next hike after that
2: um
0: how long until what so how long after that first experience backpacking were you like i want to go do this again
2: Oh, soon after, believe it or not, <laughs> because I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. I've always been an athlete, so pain has never been a big problem for me. Yeah. So, I'm just but it was with time that I was like, "This has got to feel better," you know. Mm-hmm. This is kind of when, um, like, the things started changing. I started getting better tents, better gear, and that kind of thing. Once I started learning more about it, but to be honest, I guess the whole backpacking came all the way back to my ex-husband back in two thousand and one, because I never would have been a backpacker had I not gone.
0: To be honest. Oh, and I think everybody needs to have that experience, like. All the hikers that we talk to is like there's that initial response, especially if you're not grown up in the outdoors or the backpacking world and you're in a competitive sport that requires a different set of skills, requires a different set of kind of standards. So I think everybody has to have that initial experience of just being like, wow, this sucks. And then you're like, wait, I love this.
2: Right, that <laughs> was pretty much what it was. <laughs> it's like this is a different kind of suck. Like swimming five thousand yards or whatever at practice is like one kind of suck. This is a different kind of suck. But just the the beauty. I've always loved being outside. So I grew up on a farm when I was little. So I've always been an outside person. And this just took being outdoors to a completely different level. So yeah. So I just fell in love with it, and I've now I get to do it professionally, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> <Love it. laughs>
1: and so with the backcountry foodie, was there a particular person that had a big impact on? how you grew that business? Did you have a role model for that or were you kind of forging it on your own? I
2: did a lot of forging on my own. Um, Luckily, Nancy Clark is my business coach. She's um, a sports dietitian that's been around for many, many years. Um, And she actually saw me speak at a conference that I did and she came up to me and essentially said, like, you've got something, you need to do something with this. Um, So I was like, okay, Nancy, you know what you're doing. So I'm going to listen to you because you are like the sports nutrition guru in the dietitian world. Um, so, thankfully, to her, she's continued to support me throughout the time. But I will call her and be like, Nancy, I'm struggling with XYZ. Like, what can I do differently? What do you think? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so, she's been kind of my go to person that I lean on for those kinds of things.
0: So, you said she said you had something there. So, that kind of transitions into one of our questions that we also ask is kind of how has the trail community embraced Backcountry Foodie? What kind of responses and feedback have you seen as you continue to grow the business in the trail community?
2: That's really changed with time too. Initially, people were really um, hesitant. I guess you could say they're like, I've been eating this, you know, traditional hyperfood for years and years and years and I've done fine. Mm-hmm. Um, why do I need whatever you're saying needs to be done? Um, and now that people are starting using it, they're like, whoa, wait a minute, I'm like she's on to something like <laughs> I do feel better. <laughs> you know, food really is medicine. It really does help. Um, so that's really evolved with time too. Just kind of the more I'm out there and I just keep reaching. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I just keep preaching. The more and more like I share my own personal experiences too with like I tried this, it bombed. Like, don't do this because I already tried it, or I did this, it worked really well, give this a try kind of thing. I think it's just really evolved with time.
0: Yeah, because the mindset, I mean, not just with nutrition, but just the mindset when you've done something for so long, it's very difficult to change a pattern. So Yes. What would what would your best kind of recommendation and what would from your experience, what have you found that helps people change those patterns?
3: I think it is
2: just taking that first step, and just especially like I was saying, I've really I've listened to customers and hikers. I started out initially like thinking I only want to do the most nutritious, most lightweight, most low volume kind of thing, and to do that, it actually requires some kind of funky ingredients that not everybody has access to. Mm-hmm. So I've since transitioned to listening to more people, and this is where the whole grocery friendly idea comes into play, to where if you want to try something different when instead of being there at the Pop-Tart aisle, like scoot down and get a instead. Um, you know, you're still there. You didn't have to take an extra trip to the store, that kind of thing. It's just transitioning. Make your decisions. there, happen right at the grocery store. Um, so just one thing at a time. If you're sick of oatmeal or oatmeal, um, doesn't keep you satisfied long enough after you start? Then start adding in some pecans or walnuts or whole milk powder or those kinds of things. It's just those kind of little tiny tweaks mm-hmm. that can kind of help you get in the right, the different direction than maybe where you are right now.
0: So, say somebody was planning a thru hike, they've hiked before, and they reached out to you. Does backcountry foodie kind of resupply them along the way? Do you give them the skills to build it themselves? What does backcountry food do for the person that is like okay I'm starting my through hike here I go and I need food so where do you guys go from there
3: so
2: I can't do the actual food part um I thought about doing that because I love it so much but Mm -hmm. there's just so many liabilities and legalities and that kind of thing and making food and shipping it out and that kind of thing that I can't do the actual food prep part although I would love to do it for people what I do is that that's more like the coaching side of things. If people are on trail and they get a hold of me, they're like, I'm really struggling, I'm hitting the wall all the time, I'm not recovering, that kind of thing. I can do like a nutrition consultation.
3: Okay. And
2: then we just go over essentially, I have them give me a food diary. Is what have you been eating? What's your mileage been looking like? What's the trail looking like? Those kind of things. And we just kind of look at see, here's what you're doing. Here's how we can tweak it. And then I can either write meal plans for them based on kind of the stores that are coming up, um, that kind of thing, or just here are some example recipes that I think would work really well as a thru hiker. So that's that kind of troubleshooting kind of thing that I could do one-on-one mm-hmm. or using the actual platform is getting on and using the meal planning platform and using all the tools that we've already done that are automated.
0: Okay. So, so since it's so individualistic, somebody could realize that the food that they're using currently is not working for them for a specific way because say they're at high elevations and then they would get to the next resupply point and they could reach out to Backcountry Foodie and you and say, hey, I need to tweak this. What should I tweak this to towards? Exactly.
2: Okay. And then that's where I say, wherever situation you're especially high altitude, kind of getting nerdy nutrition-wise, like carbs are your friend at high altitude.
3: That's um, what I always think t- yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, they, they take less oxygen to metabolize, so they're your friend. <laughs> so if you're finding that you're hitting the wall all the time, then boosting your carbs at high altitude um, can really help.
1: Honestly, this is so interesting to me as as a nerd, and also as a person with like, some very weird food restrictions i'm like oh man i might actually sign up for this site <laughs> this is exactly what i've dreamed of because the thing that i always struggle with uh, grocery shopping is actually just decision fatigue you're standing in the walmart aisle yes. and you're just like what even is food
0: why are there 30 types of i don't
1: understand <laughs> right and so i just buy the same stuff that i know i don't like yes. over and over again so that seems like such a useful tool i was wondering if you have any um Thoughts about like zero day nutrition as well, because uh I know that sometimes can be a major place where I fall down and actually make myself
0: qu- sick. That's a great question.
1: Yeah. Right. As in, we all want to
2: go in and drink a beer and have a burger and, and fries. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Our bodies actually probably could use a salad and some fruit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty much that. <laughs> yeah. So that's one of those kind of things too is going to town, like enjoy the food, but what you're eating there on that day is going to re fuel your body that day but it's not necessarily you're going to help you like the three days out after that kind of thing so even though you're like eating really well filling up on all your nutrition that kind of thing in town that's going to micronutrient wise vitamins um it's going to replenish you but nutrition like energy wise it's not going to hold you over for a couple of days so you still have to kind of think about your food because i know a lot of people will say i'll go into town i'm going to like eat six thousand calories a day and then i'm going to hardly carry any food for the next four days because it's a hard climb
3: mm-hmm. you know that
2: kind of thing and then i'm going to make up for it in town um, it doesn't work that way, <laughs> unfortunately. Is chugging V8 a good
1: idea? <laughs>
3: oh, that sounds...
2: I don't like V8s. I don't all. like it's
1: V8
0: dismissed. either. I'm on V8. I can't do not like v 8s i do not like v 8 i can not do
2: v eight. I mean, you're going to get a lot of vitamins, I guess, if you have a lot of sodium if you need it, but, ooh, you, you <laughs> It might, doesn't sound very appealing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you might also know the actual kind of scientific thought on this is My vice in towns is soda. And I know that's also a lot of hikers vice. So I try to limit myself to one or two sodas per town, um, one at a lunch or one at a dinner. How bad is it actually for you? Like, does your body still need those sugars and that kind of salt in the soda as you're outputting the energy on a through hike? Or is it just so concentrated and so bad for you that it doesn't actually help at all?
3: Now,
2: soda's just sugar water, essentially. Okay. So and if you're in town on a zero day, you're not actively using your muscles that need that sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not really using it for anything. It's more of uh, your body might be, if you're losing a lot of weight, your body's probably just craving the calories. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's actually better to replenish the calories with the better nutrition, with the extra protein and the, all those other things that are actually going to help your body, whereas the sugar is just going to give you, like a rush and be metabolized really quickly. It's not going to really help you recovery or any of that kind of thing
0: is it more the mind just being satisfied from i guess the caffeine the sugar the salt in a soda instead of like the body actually feeling replenished
2: right i think that's more of it is because yeah i don't normally drink soda at home but it tastes so good on trail (laughs) i know (laughs)
0: why i'm
2: right there with you i never drink it anywhere else but when i'm hiking and it tastes
0: amazing (laughs) I i try to do the same thing like i said it's my vice and i'm like okay we get to a trail town only one maybe two if i'm feeling a little frisky (laughs)
2: or trail magic oh that's the best (laughs) Uh, especially grapes i'll never forget my great first grape soda on the pct under a bridge Mm -hmm. i was like oh my i'm in heaven (laughs) (laughs) i would never drink grape soda at home it's just not something i would ever do but man it was amazing
0: (laughs) on the flip side of that it's not something really magpie or i do but we know hikers that say they love a cold beer at trail magic does the, is there any nutritional value for somebody that runs by a cooler? There has a beer that has calories, and is there any nutritional value that a hiker is getting from, say, a cold beer?
2: I mean, maybe a few extra calories and some hydration right then. But again, like thinking through hiker body stress that you're doing to yourself, no, it's not going to like replenish your carb stores and those help your muscle recovery and those kind
0: of things i'm gonna have to send some texts after this episode to let some people <laughs> know don't do it
2: because i do it myself too but i don't use it as my form of nutrition
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, i love it so another question um being involved in the outdoors being involved in the trail community again it's gonna be a two-parter it's for you as well as backcountry foodie they might be actually the answer might be the same but i'm gonna just ask and see where you take it so what does the trail mean to you? That can be singular in the AT, uh CT, or it can be all-encompassing. So, yeah, what does the trail mean to you?
2: Uh, the trail is my happy place. Like for most of us, that's why we do it. Um, mm-hmm. It's my – and then actually, okay, combining with the business answer – it's actually making it a little bit harder now that I do it as a business because it used to be my place of being able to go get away from it all. You know, no text, no emails, no Instagram, none of those kind of things. It's my way to get away. Mm -hmm. Um, But now with it being a business, I have to take that with me. So I actually, I schedule my trips now based on what needs to be accomplished. So if I need to do work, it's a work trip, a work hike. And then if there's like my through hikes, I really actually, I like to reserve my through hikes as my me time um which is i know a lot of our followers are like oh i wish you'd show more pictures but it's like i really need that downtime that me time that where i'm just there to myself because um, that's how i re- replenish myself and come back fresh and i can go back to work and do all the things that i do i guess you could say in the front country but yeah and i think about it a lot when i'm out there it's like i'm out here who knows who the last person was here you know especially the condor trail There could have been years since the last person was there and I'm just like I feel so lucky that I'm here exploring this place that not many people get to see
1: okay. do you want to I'm so curious the condor trail is not one that I've heard about um how did you find out about it what is it I hadn't heard about it
2: either until we moved here um like I said it was unexpected that we moved to Orkut California my husband got a new job here after we moved out of our van um we were just actually on our way to a day hike and I was on guy in the car looking up the map and I was like wait a minute there's a really long purple line here on Gaia. What is this? It's <laughs> usually long lines usually are through hikes, you know, when you see them on Gaia, when they're really long. It's 400 miles long. It's through the Los Padres National Forest here on the coast. It's only been through hiked a handful of times, like straight through. I would, to be honest, now that I've done, I've done about 105 out of the 400 miles and I would never want to do it all the way through. It
3: would be miserable. <laughs> it, is,
2: it is not an easy trail um, for a variety of reasons, logistically resupplying. Um, The first 21 miles took us three days to do 21 miles and we're supposed to do like a four day weekend trip. We barely got halfway. We had to bail on our very first section. Hmm. Um, It was so hard because it's so overgrown. There's poison oak all over the place. The trail disappears, then it reappears, then it disappears again. So it's I it's my first trail that I've actually been anxious to do to be honest. <laughs> I go into it not knowing what's going to happen.
0: <laughs> is there a governing body? Is it a trail association that manages it? Or do, is the Condor Trail just kind of the name for an overlapping and linking of uh, other trail systems through there?
2: Um, I think it's just the Los Podres National Forest um, like the ranger districts have all kind of put it together. There is a trail association but I don't know that it's able to do a whole lot for it because it's such an unknown trail um Mm -hmm. but it's mostly the los padres uh, volunteers go in there and just kind of maintain it there's a lot of it that's not maintained um so there's the really common trails but then there's the connector trails that aren't being maintained that actually make it the through hike Mm -hmm. um so there's actually a two and a half mile section that's known for having to crawl on your stomach to get through (laughs) (laughs) because the (laughs) blow the (laughs) is But if you don't do that two and a half miles, it's a huge reroute all the way around. So it's either you kind of skip that two and a half miles and do all the rerouting, or you just grin and bear it and push through it.
0: Oh, it's like the Mahoosic Notch, but for, for two and a half miles.
2: <laughs> for two and a half miles. Yeah. I mean, it's brutal. And I, I came out with Poison Oak the first time, and then I've come out with scrapes and scratches, and my shirt's you know ripped. And you, you don't wear good clothes in there, that's for sure. <laughs>
0: so, again, this might be a biased question, because... Magpie and I, this is kind of the trails that we've been concerning ourselves with lately. Stuff that's more bushwhacky, stuff that's more route finding, that type of stuff. What kind of calorie and nutritional value do you recommend for people that are going for more routes and trails that aren't as open and single path trail? Are you burning more energy for doing this type of stuff?
2: Well, that's a good question, too, because I'm experiencing that myself trying to figure that out because this is – the Condor Trail is very unlike anything I've ever done, so that's what I'm kind of using as a, as a testing. Um, it really is going to depend on, like, how much pushing through the bushwhacking. Is it bushwhacking that is just high-growth grass that you kind of have to go through, or are you physically – like, what I've been doing is pushing through brush, mm-hmm. like, chest-high pushing through where I'm actually – my upper body's tired from having to do so much pushing. So that kind of thing. So even though we only did eight miles one day, I still ate 3,500 calories that I would normally eat on a 15 mile day. Wow. Just because we were still on our feet pushing and moving and carrying still the same amount of backpack weight uh, for 12 hours. Um, so it's that kind of thing, even though you might not be covering a lot of ground, if you're physically like using all your muscles to do different things, if you're climbing, crawling, you know, open over rocks and that kind of thing, then it's a lot harder work than just going for a stroll on a hard packed trail.
0: So is time a massive factor then for output? So again, it's different types of things. Like, yeah, you're rock climbing, you're pushing through brush, but like, even if you were bushwhacking in an open quote unquote field and right. there's just no trail, is it still burning the same amount of calories and doing that type of output that an eight-mile day you would still have to feed yourself compared to a twenty-mile day?
2: Right. So time's really important. You're still using energy. So the, we were talking about like you still need to eat every sixty to ninety minutes regardless of what you're doing. It's just whether or not do you need to eat, like a little bitty snack to kind of keep you going, or are you going to eat more substantial meals kind of thing because you're doing much more effort. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's really it's independent. Each trail is so different.
0: Yeah. I I have trouble answering questions in that field too when people ask what's the similarities between these trails it's like oh, they're so individualistic they're so different yeah yeah I'm, I'm curious this is a myth i've heard and again part of my ignorance here but you might know the answer to this does mental energy actually consume calories like so say you're navigating and you're standing in one spot and you're just it's burning through your mental energy does that actually consume calories or is that just a myth
2: Oh, the brain uses a lot of calories. I don't know how many while well, thinking, but it does use a lot of calories. So well, I don't have a scientific answer for that. But your brain does burn a lot of energy.
1: What I've read is like elite chess players, even though they're just sitting in a chair, can burn like 5,000 calories. So Right. I mean, depending yeah, I on what you're, what, how hard you're thinking, I think it, it can. Yeah.
2: Right, I don't know how to quantify what that would look like, but yeah, I'm sure it does, but quantifying yeah. it, I don't know how to like say add an extra two hundred calories onto your day because <laughs> you're looking at your map four hours of, you know yeah, I guess it's like
0: the no man's land of uh kind of nutritional science because, yeah, everybody's mind's so individualistic too, like some thoughts for others might not be computing at the same speed, same rate as yeah, I don't know what I'm saying here it, it's yeah, it's, it's kind of the. <laughs> kind of the wild west of calorie consumption so okay we're getting up close to the hour aaron here um, i promise you we would not take too much of your time something i'm curious about again this is how we try to like to wrap up the show here is it's going to be a two-part question for you so as aaron do you see an end point or a goal to reach within this hiking world or this outdoor world as like a runner as a hiker um is there an overall goal that's continuing to propel you forward and then for the flip side of that as well for backcountry foodie is there like a goal that you're reaching for is there an end point there so yeah two sides to the same question so
2: as a hiker I just want to keep moving as long as I can keep moving <laughs>
0: <To be honest.
2: laughs> I, I, I see all these I'm now 45 like I said and I see people that are their 75 and they're 80 and they're still hiking I was like I want to be you when I grow up <laughs> so I don't really have any big aspirations to do like the triple crown or any of those kinds of things. I've actually shifted more towards these kind of more obscure hikes that other people haven't done because I love whole, the the serenity of it being out there and like nobody around because it just is such precious free time that I have. That mm-hmm. um, I think I'm probably going to do more of those kinds of trails versus trying to do the more popular trails. Not sure what that's going to be next, but we'll figure it out. For a backcountry foodie, I think I'm just going to keep evolving with how people are evolving. Like what are their needs? Like what's happening in the world at the time? Like what's that kind of thing is that if more people are spending more out time needing X, Y, Z things And I'm just going to try and serve those kinds of things the best I can. Um, I don't really see an input hopefully anytime soon, because I love it so much that I'm just going to keep doing what I do.
0: I love it. And again, out of my own curiosity, I don't remember this article too much, but wasn't there an article about somebody, a doctor that took, all these readings from somebody's body before through hiking and then after. Thru-hike. Oh, was a
1: medical yes. student. yeah
0: Yeah, and yep. they were actually quote unquote unhealthier when they got back.
2: Yes, I read that too. um It was really interesting, but the problem is it's one one hiker, so you can't mm-hmm. really base what's going to happen on everybody based on the one hiker. But I have always said, if I ever were crazy enough to go back to school, I would get my PhD and do hiker nutrition and do a study on through hikers because they're. That's what's been really challenging for me, and doing all the classes that I teach is there just isn't research out there on hikers. Yeah, um, most of what I teach is based on what I've learned from military studies that are troops in the mountains, troops that are carrying backpacks. You know, they're rucksacks; they're doing miles at a time. That's the closest thing to, and I consider backpacking a sport. This is mm-hmm. one thing I teach too is. Um, what other sport has to carry a backpack? You know, what other sport is going up and down thousands of feet in a day? You're on your feet for 10 to 12 hours day after day. You're sleeping on the ground, you know, yeah. give yourself some credit. Like you're an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than just going for a walk. So,
0: and um, I, and I guess the parallels between those studies are like close enough, but like even the mentality is different because a through hiker, their goal each day is to do not everybody's, but their goal each day is to do as many miles as they can to set themselves up right. to keep doing as many miles as they can. To the next resupply, so they're constantly stressing their body farther and harder to use calorie consumption. So yeah, that would be really curious to have somebody do a full study on hiker bodies and what what goes on with us.
2: Well, and that, like I was saying too, I would love to know what happens when you go home. I yeah. I like the longitudinal stuff. I like to see so you got really really fit when you're through hiking, but what happens when you have to go back to your nine to five job? Um, what does your body composition do then? Is that actually going like, to like long-term, cause you long-term effects kind of thing because you get such radical shifts?
0: If you want a simple answer, I get fat. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much donut consumption. Yeah. Oh, time. But no, <laughs> if you want an actual like answer, I would say even uh, we've, as we've noticed, uh, my partner and I, like our bodies over the past few years, I think it stays more – I don't well, want to use the I mean, word fit. but there's I. There's the
1: it, two of us, right? So it's anecdotal. Yeah. It's not really a study. But right. it, I would certainly be interested in knowing. But yeah, I mean, there's muscle memory, right? Your body, once you're fit, it's easier to get fit again.
0: I mean, the cadence of my walk has shifted over the years. And then generally, I've just become a smaller person. Like, my muscle mass isn't as large as it used to be. You're um, just leaner and sit a bulkier. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's transition. Yeah. Because before I started hiking, I was a hockey player, and I did a lot of weightlifting and i was just too bulky and now i even when i work out off trail i can't get to that same uh, level um so huh. i think i think it is there there is something there all right <laughs> that's just me wondering things so <laughs> for all the listeners welcome to constantine's mind so Aaron, um i want to thank you for joining us and um explaining a little bit about yourself and backcountry foodie um it gives a gives me a lot to think about i hope it gives a lot of listeners to think about and you might have two more people sign up right after this to actually eat better
2: (laughs) well we just launched three brand new dehydrated tuna recipes so i've been one of these like i don't like using tuna because it's so smelly and heavy and that but i had this light bulb moment to where i dehydrated it recently and it's amazing it works so well
0: okay i'm sorry aaron i can't do it anymore how does (laughs) it can't do tuna
1: my question is how does dehydrating tuna make your house smell oh Oh uh, that yeah, that was a bad
2: idea but <laughs> that, yeah, that is something I see very clearly. We just wrote up wrote a blog post at the very beginning. I said, "Do not put this in a living space <laughs> <laughs> okay. put it in a, in your garage <laughs> oh, man. and have the fans running, but it does work really well. It really kind
1: of squishes it down and makes it super lightweight and all those kind of things. so
0: we're gonna have to check out and learn more and get into your website more, but
1: people want to do that we're going to give you the floor um where can people find more about you and sign up for backcountry foodie yeah
0: the platform is yours. so we're
2: at backcountryfoodie.com and i'm on instagram facebook and youtube same thing just search for backcountry foodie google me you'll find me
0: okay we'll put it all on the show notes so aaron thank you so much for your time
2: sure
3: thanks for having me
0: well folks another week another guest another episode we have been really enjoying sharing these stories and really diving into the minds behind miles the minds behind the hiker the minds behind the outdoors person we have been loving this format we have been loving the conversations so yeah as this show has continued to grow we have been really loving being able to share all these stories so if you all really enjoy this show this episode this podcast we would love to hear from you so please if you are able go to apple podcast and Leave us a review, leave us a rating, and let us know. Let us know how you are enjoying the show so we can continue to share and we can continue to spread these stories as we dive into the who and the how, not necessarily the what. As we get to take a look into the minds and really see what makes these hikers tick, really see what makes these hikers, these outdoors people, these climbers continue to want to live a life of adventure. So yeah, please leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, Every little thing really helps us and fuels us to continue to share these stories and to continue to let us have these conversations with more amazing people. And as always, if you have a suggestion, if you know of somebody that you really want to hear on the show or you yourself want to be a guest on the show, please email us at Podcast or visit our Instagram page at Podcast and communicate with us through there. Send us a message, follow along get updates on the new guests that are coming out, the new episodes that are coming out. We would love to share your story. We would love to hear from you. Any suggestions, any guests, all are welcome. Hope to see you next week on and off trail.